This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the Diamond Hogs Podcast, your favorite Razorback baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mason Choate, the publisher of hogbeat.com. That's H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. And we have the baseball boy of hogbeat.com, Robert Stewart, Dr. Stu. He's along for the ride. We've got a great episode for you today. Jace Borfin, Arkansas outfielder. Uh, he's going to join us. Great interview with Jace. We love talking to Jace. Uh, but we do have some bad news to talk about. A lot, really, a, a pretty packed show, Robert. We there. I mean, there's been too much bad news to talk about on this podcast this year. Uh, we're hoping that from now on it's only good news. But we have to talk about it. And then tomorrow, so we're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow we're hitting the road for Starkville. So uh, a lot to get to. On this episode, very, very excited um, to break this down. Not not the bad stuff, of course. Not excited to break down the bad stuff. Never want to do that. But let's talk about the good stuff. And before we get to the good stuff, I want to tell you about a good person, and that is Andy Ledecky with MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Are you looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Are you wanting to diversify, build wealth, or leave a legacy? We need to give Andy a call. He's a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner. He helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. The big thing here, services are 100% free with Andy. He's just here to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. So visit MyPerfectFranchise.net. You'll get all the information you need there, or if you just want to pick up the phone, Type in a number, give the guy a call. That number is 404-973-9901. MyPerfectFranchise.net. Thank you to MyPerfectFranchise.net. All right, uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to be honest here. Every time you read the word diversify, I think of the diversity scene from Anchorman. Mm, yeah, it's an old, old wooden ship. Is that what it is? Used in the Civil War era. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, for those who don't know Robert as well as I do, he's a big, uh, big Anchorman guy. He's always quoting Anchorman. So, I don't think I know anybody in this world who who can quote Anchorman like Robert Stewart does. It's 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 a very quotable movie. It's, it's one really of my cool. favorite pastimes is quoting movies, and that's that's right up there, right up there at the top. All right, uh, let's let's talk about baseball though. Yes, and I think I think we need to lead off with this, Dylan Carter. Torn UCL, done for the year. He's going to have to have Tommy John. You hate it for the guy, man. Dylan Carter, I mean, like, what a year he was having coming into the year. Not a guy that any of us would have said, yeah, this is this is going to be their top bullpen arm. And, you know, he was kind of thrown into that role because of injuries, uh, specifically to Cody Frank, um, torn lat. He's out for the year, too. Uh, Dylan Carter stepped up. He was throwing very well. He was he was one of your top bullpen arms. They relied on him a lot. He had he had thrown a significant amount of innings, and I think that's what kept or caught up with him. He 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 redshirted last year, went and threw summer ball in the Northwoods League, uh, and then of course you know threw in the fall, threw in the in the preseason, and then he threw a significant amount of innings. Now I I'm not a doctor, but Dylan Carter had thrown a lot of innings, and it's just unfortunate. You hate it for the guy. He bleeds Razorback red. He's a Bentonville kid. I, I mean, Dylan Carter, every time we talk to him, you know, he all he talks about is, I just want to do what I can to help the team. And those guys sometimes are hard to come by. 
and Dylan Carter is that guy. All he wants to do is help Arkansas win, and he helped, he did help them win a lot of games this year, and you just hate it for the guy. You can tell things are not going well when Mason says, I'm not a doctor. Like, the number of times we've had to establish that this year, that, that really tells you, you know, the, the scope of of what we're dealing with here. Um, yeah, you know, not not much to add to that. Like, it, it sucks for the guy. He, he was a significant contributor. You know, you you normally think of of these guys who need Tommy John as you know hard throwing, throwing guys. Dylan Carter's not really that. You know, maybe maybe low nineties uh, at best, but you know it doesn't matter. It can happen to anybody. Heck, it happened to Bryce Harper. He didn't even pitch. So you know, uh, it's it's just a tough year, man. You get Brady Tiger back, but all of a sudden you lose Dylan Carter. Yeah, I mean we we have we have a. Uh you know, a group chat with some, with some media guys. And it was basically like the conversation, you know, of course, unfortunate for Carter, but it's basically, you made a trade Dylan Carter for Brady Tiger. Not a, you don't want to have to make a trade. You rather have both of them. And it's, you know, of course it wasn't an actual trade, but um, I, I want to go through Dylan Carter's stats because I feel like it's, it's worth mentioning. So here it is. I'm just going to go down the line, by the way. Uh okay. 16 appearances, a 3.65 ERA, 6-0 record, two saves, 37 innings pitched, uh, gave up 15 earned runs on 37 hits, struck out 26, walked 11. Um, opponents were hitting 264 against him. So pretty good numbers for Dylan Carter. Yeah, I mean, it, he's, he's a guy that you really had no expectations for coming in because we hadn't seen him really do anything at all coming into Arkansas. For, so, for, I mean, for that to be his first first impression in Fayetteville, I mean, you, you absolutely have to take that. And obviously with the other guys that you mentioned, you know, they, they played most of the year without Tiger so far, most of the year without Cody Frank, all of the year without Jackson Wiggins. I mean, you know, he, he – he probably shouldn't have even had to throw that many innings, but he did. And uh, unfortunately that's all we're going to see. Yep. Um, our, our guy, Christian Cheatham, he's not on the podcast right now, but he is, he was one of the first, you know, at least publicly to be a Christian or not a Christian, a Dylan Carter believer. He said it on this podcast early in the year that he was like, you know, I like Dylan Carter. And I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be disrespectful, but we, we kind of laughed at him, honestly. And, you know, but shout out to Dylan Carter for proving everybody wrong, for proving Christian right. And uh, now Arkansas is without him, and that sucks. So Yeah. I, I I seem to recall, if my memory serves me correctly, this is in my other scorebook. I don't have it in front of me. But I believe in, in the last weekend before the season started, he threw four innings in relief of Will McIntyre or somebody. I don't know. But he threw four scoreless innings against I think what was the the starting lineup at that point so you know the the sign was there we we, pro- we probably should have put some stock into it at that point we were still like we were still bought in on you know Zach Morris is going to figure it out Will McIntyre he's going to figure it out and not that um I, I I'm just going to leave it at that like I don't, I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but I mean, just go look at the stats, go look at the outings for those two guys. They've had good and bad, you know. They're, right. It's not what you expected from them coming into the year. Everything that we saw in fall ball and those those three weeks of scrimmages right before the season started has been reflected this season. Like you could you could tell 
that, you know, based on the way Morris and McIntyre threw, wasn't going to go well for him, or as well as they hoped, maybe. McIntyre, you know, bouncing back. Um, you know, Dylan Carter, nice nice inning, uh, or nice outing right, right before the start of the season. Caleb Callie, unbelievable. Started slumping at the end of the preseason, continued into the regular season, and now he's the best hitter on the team. Uh, I mean, Josenberger, true leadoff guy. It, it was all in the script. It was, it was, it, you, you could tell if you went to those scrimmages. It's almost like when guys show it on the field, they're being for real. It wasn't just a fluke. That's, that's what happened. So uh, I think we need to just go down the line of injuries for this season because I feel like every, every story, I'm just rewriting the injuries, but we still have people asking about injuries all the time. Um, so let's just do it. Uh, Jackson Wiggins. Torn UCL, Tommy John, done. Cody Frank, torn lat, surgery, done. Uh, Brady Tigert had the elbow sprain. He's back, but not at a, I, I wouldn't say he's at 100%, or at least they're not throwing him like he's 100% yet. I mean, if his pitch count is 35 this upcoming weekend and they want him want to get him north of 60, he's 100% not back. Yeah. So um, Ben McLaughlin had the meniscus. He had a minor procedure, correct? And I mean, they did some shaving of the meniscus, was the term, which sounds painful. It does. Um, But he's back, of course. Peyton Stovall, not going to play this weekend, by the way. Um, He has a shoulder that apparently he's been dealing with for six to eight weeks, been battling through it. Just going to give him some rest this week. Like, give him some rest, see if he can get back to uh, being able to play without as much pain as he's been playing with. Um, he didn't play Tuesday night, which we got to get to that. We're going to talk about the loss on Tuesday night. Uh, Peyton Stovall shoulder out this weekend. I'm I'm glad that I finally decided to ask what specifically it was because that was that was as specific as it got for a while. It's it's tendonitis, inflammation of the shoulder, which yeah. is basically tendonitis. Dave Van Horn said. Okay, uh, Tavian Josenberger hamstring out indefinitely. Not going to play this weekend. That's as far as we're going to take it because we don't – I mean, we're not doctors. <laughs> so all we know is it's a hamstring and he's not going to play this weekend. Dylan Carter, Tommy John, torn UCL, he's done. Um, Peyton Holt had a tweaked ankle. He did play on Tuesday, so but he, he did have a tweaked ankle, showed up to the ballpark on crutches last Friday. <laughs> and then how about – the choice to pinch run him at first base and then him advancing 270 feet on two wild pitches. That was that was definitely interesting. By the way, Alabama just beat Vanderbilt, so we got to talk about that. Lots, um, lots of Bama discourse to be had. Um, and shout out to, if you heard that ding, Andrew Hutchinson just sent a text, Bama beat Vandy 9-2. to two. Robert, do you want to know what the final score was? It wasn't 9-2? Bama beat Vandy 11-2. to two. So, Hutch got his numbers wrong. Oh, man, how embarrassing for him. Ooh, we might have to have a live call in with Andrew Hutchinson on the podcast again. Uh, we might. <laughs> uh, but back to the injuries. Parker Rowland, he had a back issue. He's back. Back. Parker Rowland back is back. Um, Hunter Holland, shin splints, could be more. Not going to start on Friday. Um, but we know what we've been told from David Horn shin splints. They're just trying to give him some time. His legs really been bothering him. Um, hoping to see him this weekend. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I, I don't, 
I'm hesitant to use the word ideally. Like, I don't know if it's ideal that you see him pitch or not. Like, maybe the best thing for him is to rest this weekend. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. But uh, the the hope of the team right now is that he will pitch either Saturday or Sunday. And last one, Jared Wagner, broken thumb. Still don't know exactly when he's going to be back. I think he – let's see. He got the – he gets the – the pins the pin, out. pins are out of his thumb, I thought. Okay. Either way, I think or it was it, something like his pin maybe it's his pins get out on Monday. Could be. I think it's as soon as his pins get out, which is within the next week, it's soon or it's already happened. Um Jared Wagner at that point, it's just can he play through whatever pain he has? So hopefully you see him next weekend against uh South Carolina. And and if there's one adjective Dave Van Horn loves to use to describe Jared Wagner, it's tough. Yeah. So there is your injury report uh, brought to you by Chinook Cedary. <laughs> Goodness gracious, man. Just does will it will it ever get shorter? I sure hope so. Um okay, so let's uh let's talk about this Lipscomb game. Or should we call Hutch first and just be like, what the heck, dude? Yeah, we we gotta we we can't let this sit for too long. We gotta we gotta figure it out. He he might be in he might be in bed already. Who knows? No, surely not. He, <laughs> you know how he always tweets stories for the night owls. <laughs> dude, that dude. <laughs> Let's see here. Is he not gonna answer? Hello. Hutch, you're live to tape to the Diamond Hawks podcast. Okay. Um, I just I want to know if you have an official statement on um the text that you just sent about Alabama beating Vanderbilt nine to two when the final score was actually eleven to two. Oh, it was eleven to two. That is my bad. Any any statement other than that is my bad? Uh, it was a it was a mistake that I truly regret, and it won't happen again. You want to you want to invoke Nick Cassianos here? Yeah, we maybe we might need a Cassianos apology from you at some point. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hope you have a good night, Hutch. All right. Talk to y'all later. All right. Bye. That was underwhelming. That was very underwhelming. He he sounded tired. He did. He tired man. He he's a hard worker. He is a hard worker. Okay, um, let's talk about this Lipscomb game. And before we do, I want to talk to you about our friends at Chinook Seedery. Um, Robert is probably going to be surviving on the Chinook Seeds as we're on the road to Starkville starting tomorrow, which as you're listening to this, it's Friday. We're going to be on the road to Starkville. We might even be in Starkville by the time you're listening to this. And uh, Robert is going to have him a nice, healthy bowl of Chinook Seeds for breakfast. He loves to have the Cinnamon Toast Seeds they're delicious. I love the cinnamon toast seeds. It, it they, they have a little bit of butter, a little bit of cinnamon. It's just delicious. And uh, they all they also have plenty of other flavors. If you go to their website, ChinookCedary.com, lemon pepper, uh, jalapeno ranch, smokehouse barbecue, Parmesan pepper, dill pickle for the pickle lovers like Robert. Robert's a big pickle guy. Actually, Robert... I had to show you a, a picture of some fried pickles that a, a friend sent to me. Keldon Halverson, shout out Keldon, sent me a picture of pickles and said, show this to Robert. Luckily, you were sitting right next to me. It, it made me very happy that Keldon was thinking of me. Yeah. 
I'm sure I'm sure now every time that a listener of this podcast eats some pickles, they're they're thinking of Robert Stewart. Just gonna at me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So next time you eat pickles, send picture or send Robert a picture of your pickles. Um <laughs> I'm using too many P words, man. Sounds um, in no way like an innuendo, but yeah. <laughs> um uh let's see. Yeah, Chinook Cedary. If you go to ChinookCedary.com when you're at checkout, type in the coupon code dhp10 you will get 10 percent off of your order courtesy of the diamond hawks podcast thank you to the chinook seedery and a reminder when you're on the road you need to have some chinook seeds they are great they will keep you awake i and i i live by this i keep some chinook seeds in my my little uh what do you call it the the glove compartment thing but it's right next to you console center console. console the console i keep i keep chinook seeds in my console i eat them when i get tired on the road Boom, like that. I'm wide awake. And they're delicious. Um, so ChinookCedary.com, DHP10 is the code to use for 10% off your order. Arkansas lost another midweek, and just thank goodness they don't have to play another one. Yeah, that was that was going to be the first thing out of my mouth if, if you didn't say it. I mean, 8-6, 11 innings, <laughs> the, the four-hour game, man. The, the I swear the last four games have been the longest four of the whole season. Maybe maybe four out of five, but uh, – it was what what did Dave Van Horn say about it? It was, it was one of the worst games of the year, if if he was being honest. Um, yeah, I mean it wasn't pretty. They uh, they had two hits in in the two innings that they scored runs in, and then like the six in the middle of the game, they just didn't really do anything at all. Um, it it wasn't pretty from from an offensive standpoint. I mean, until Austin Ledbetter took the mound, no real positives to take away from the pitching staff. Uh, Maybe Zach Morris throwing two two scoreless, but I mean Christian Fouch, Ben Bybee giving up what five runs without getting it out. That was that was that was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. It was just another one of those games where you did have it was it was less of an overreaction on social media because the game wasn't on TV, so less people were able to watch it and see what was going down. Um if you want to take away some positives, you got plenty of arms, some some action. Fitzy. Uh, you Fitzy, yes. We got to see Fitzy. Uh I, I mean Mason Neville got to play a little bit. Jason Jones got to play. Harold Cole hit a home run and then struck out a lot. <laughs> Three times at a double play. Yeah, that was tough. So that's you know, midweeks are midweeks. You know, the people listening to this podcast are probably baseball people. They understand that you lose a midweek game, it's not the end of the world. Um, as our, our friend Andrew Hutchinson, who was just on the podcast, likes to likes to tweet out after a midweek loss, as he did on Wednesday, Arkansas dropped a whopping one spot from number five to number six in the RPI. So when you lose a midweek game, like, yeah, it sucks. You don't want to lose to a program like Lipscomb. You don't want to lose to a program like uh, which or Missouri State. You don't want to lose to a program like Little Rock, but you have to take into account all of the factors that went into that game. Arkansas threw nine pitchers. They played guys that aren't starters. That's what's going to happen, man. Plus, you have a team that's coming in there trying to get a win over a big program like Arkansas. Right, and and we heard from from Dave Van Horn on Monday at the Swatters Club that uh, Lipscomb is out of school right now. Like they showed up in Little Rock the night before. They were well rested. I mean, you know, the Hogs had to leave in in the morning. Like, 
it, you know, not trying to sit here and make excuses for why they lost because like, it just doesn't matter that they lost. It's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I would, you'll hear from, from Jace Borfin about this later, but like they, they, they have, uh, they have bigger fish to fry and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see that in Starkville this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It is something worth noting that, you know, Arkansas bust down there and then bust back up right after the game. So that is, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to make excuses for them losing to Lipscomb because I mean, you would even, even with, you know, half of the lineup being B teamers, you would hope that they would be able to win. And, you know, they fought there for a little bit. They just couldn't overcome it in, in extras. And so that's how it went. If you just look at it, like they, they fought, they tied it up. You went to extras and you were relying on Ben McLaughlin and Sean Fitzpatrick to get the job done after Austin Ledbetter threw four innings scoreless and no offense to Ben McLaughlin or Sean Fitzpatrick whatsoever, but those are not arms that you want to be relying on late in a game that is tied. There, There is a reason we are seven weeks into the SEC season and neither of them, neither of them have appeared in a game. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're talking about when you have to look at the context of those losses um, and also look at the fact that Arkansas is still number six in the RPI. Like that's that's what matters in the grand scheme of things. Right. And if you want to overreact about falling one spot in the RPI, guess what? Two teams uh, after Mississippi State that are ahead of them that they have a chance to leapfrog with series wins, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. South Carolina is probably a lot more likely than Vanderbilt because the Hogs play so well at home and not so well on the road where they'll be at Vanderbilt. But, um, you know, the, the fact that they still have six of their nine games against top five RPI teams, it really tells you that, that this team's just about solidified as a regional host. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the RPI, current RPI. It looks like Arkansas did drop down to seven. So currently what? sitting – yeah. This might have – I don't know. I mean, I'm lo- I'm looking at it right now. They're number. I seven. was looking. I was looking at it earlier today. What 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 side are you on? I'm on D1 baseball. Mm, I'm on NCAA baseball or NCAA.com. It says Arkansas six. No, I've got Arkansas at seven on D1 baseball. Well, NCAA and D1 baseball better better sync up their stuff, man. Okay. Uh, either way, I mean, they're still a national a national seed. They're projected what five this this uh, this week, which was. An interesting uh, Fayetteville Regional with Oregon State as the two seed in the Fayetteville Regional, which would just be absolute chaos. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be something. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's that's the Lipscomb recap. Like, what do you want us to do? Also, I don't know if I'm going to go watch another game at Dickie Stevens Park. There were, I mean, w- we were sitting on the concourse, and, you know, it's cool, you know, you're out there, you're you're in the environment, but at the same time, like we're sitting here trying to write and there's people standing behind us yelling. And I, I get it. I, I get it. You're a fan. Like go to the game, enjoy the game, go find your seat and yell from your seat. Here here is my my big issue with with our setup the other day. And this is something I always think about whenever I just go to a game to go to a game. How do people not realize when and when not to get up from their seats? Oh my gosh, dude! It would. I, I mean, mean the, the the ball would be leaving the pitcher's hand, and someone would stand up in front of us. There are there are designated breaks that happen in routine intervals, and and a lot of these routine intervals, and you have plenty of time to come and go, and plenty 
of time to watch the game. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It it's un, it is unbelievable. That unbelievable. might be the most worked up you've ever gotten on this podcast. <laughs> some some people's lack of awareness, man. It it it's worth getting worked up over. Wow. Robert, I didn't know you had that in you. I know. All right. Um okay, so moving on from Lipscomb. Let's uh let's talk about um Mississippi State real quick before we get to Jace Borofin. So, Robert, this is the uh the time, you know. I don't have to say it. It's time for everybody to sit and listen to Robert read stats. Yeah, I mean these these dudes can hit. Uh let me let me just go ahead and pull up the the old old trusty scouting report that I've already written because it's Thursday night. Um these these guys can hit. Dave Van Horn made made sure to note that. Um there's a there's a good good nugget I have in here somewhere. So the the Bulldogs are on a four-game losing streak in in conference play, including getting swept at Tennessee last weekend. Uh over the last five games, five conference games, they're averaging nearly eight runs per game. And that includes a two in seven innings in the in the finale uh, in Knoxville, so uh, I think a couple eights against the Volunteers, and then maybe an eleven and another eleven or something like that in in Auburn or against Auburn. So these guys can swing it. Um, they have five dudes, excuse me, four dudes hitting over three twenty, uh, seven dudes hitting over two sixty in lead play. That's one more than Arkansas, and consider that Arkansas uh, two of their six guys hitting over 260 are on the shelf in uh, Tavian Josenberger and Jared Wagner. So um, it's a pretty stacked lineup here. Uh, Hunter Hines is probably the name you'll want to be the most familiar with leading the pack with a 1224 OPS in league games, 12 home runs in league games. He's got 21 overall on the year that puts him in the top three, I think top five, probably anyway, not a lot of dudes with 20 home runs. Hunter, Hunter Hines is one of them also leading an RBI shocker. Um, two other dudes worth mentioning as far as OPS goes, Dakota Jordan and Kellum Clark, two outfielders, both over a thousand in that, uh, department. But I mean, as far as everything else goes, it's really not that good. Um, you just look at the, a, a quick glance at the fielding percentage in, in league games, they're fielding 964. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not among the best in, in the SEC, uh, let's let's just give you Texas A&M for for comparison. Even after the the three errors they made, or I think it was four errors, maybe, yeah, four errors in the series last weekend. Their their fielding percentage is only down to nine eighty. So nine eighty versus nine sixty four. That's that's a pretty pretty big difference. And then pitching, they're just awful. I mean, they fired their they fired their pitching coach for a reason. Uh, they they have in in twenty one conference games. A staff ERA of just under 10, 9.82. They have 10 guys out of 17 who have thrown in a conference game this year. 10 guys have double-digit ERAs. And the the best of the seven who do not is 3.52. So um, this, is, this is just not a good Mississippi State pitching staff. And whether the interim pitching coach, uh, you know, has, has any changes that can be seen immediately remains to be seen but uh even even the the uh, b teamers who cracked the lineup this weekend because of you know Stovall Wagner and Josenberger being out they they should be able to hit against these dudes um yeah okay 
Is that all you got? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, Mississippi State really reminds me just just from looking at these numbers reminds me a lot a lot of Texas A and M like the the formula last weekend for the sweep was just score a bunch of runs they did seven ten eight twenty five in a weekend that's that's good um, I you know if I were a betting man I'd I'd be I'd be hammering the over in these games okay um. All right, let's uh let's move along because we have a lot to get to. We still have the Jay Sporfin interview. We need to talk about Brad Bohannon getting fired at Alabama, and we need to do bold predictions. So, um, one more time, let's remind you about our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy Ledecky, he gives you a, a free consultation for his services to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. It's for those wanting to diversify, looking for a side hustle, looking to leave the corporate rat race, you need to call Andy. He's a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner. He helps other people find franchises that fit their skill set, financial requirements, and time to commit. Just give him a call, 404-973-9901, or visit myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, do we want to do bold predictions first or Brad Bohannon? Let's talk Brad. Okay. Um. So this was wild. It's, I mean, it's still developing. Um, long story short, sounds like Brad Bohannon was in communication with somebody who placed a significant wager on Alabama's game one versus LSU. Was that the game? Uh, so. so Alabama had a late scratch for their starting pitcher. And then the guy that Brad Bohannon was in communication with is like seen on camera placing a significant wager. I don't I don't is is it public what the wager was on? I I don't think so, but I I'll tell you how how incredible this story is. It was at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Cincinnati where Pete Rose, who has been banned from the Hall of Fame for gambling, played. Baseball man. What a what a concept. That's quite the sneeze there, Mason. Yeah, I muted myself. I was sneezing. Um, yeah, I, I have a tweet pulled up, and this is from uh, Jim, at Jim W. Weber on Twitter. This is just, this is Alabama athletics during the 2022-23 school year. I'm just going to go through it, okay? Football player Jermaine Burton strikes Tennessee uh, fan on the field. That was a girl that he struck. Football player Tony Mitchell arrested for gun and weed. Basketball player Darius Miles arrested for capital murder. Basketball transfer commit Jaquan Walton arrested for gun and weed. Baseball coach Brad Bohannon fired amid point shaving investigation. Deputy athletic director Travis Self arrested for domestic violence. Um, yeah. What was your tweet this morning? Who could have seen this coming from, from an Alabama official? I know. It was wild. Here's here's the thing though. I don't I don't really have a good grasp. Is that is that Mowgli in the in the frame there? It is Mowgli. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good grasp on like the how it like worked with the game. Like it had to be just the starting pitcher that was the concern because like it was eight one LSU and then the game finished eight six because the tide went crazy in the ninth. Um, so. Like, I don't know. I it it's still all very fluid to me. I'm sure there are a lot of details that 
that still have to come out. Just as we are not doctors, we are also not investigators. So not really our job. Right. But we can talk about it and say that Alabama turns out not that great of an athletic department. Can can you believe the the downturn that Brad Bohannon's life has taken since uh he he mocked the hog call in Fayetteville? Yeah, and can you believe that Brad Bohannon is the uh the only Alabama coach to be fired this calendar year? That is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, and, I, that, and we're not talking about Nick Saban either. Nope. Um, that happened. It is what it is. And uh, it's kind of tough because I kind of liked Brad Bohannon. Every time we talked to him, he seemed like a cool guy. I mean, it was funny when he called the Hogs. You know, like he was just he was just being a dude. You know, um, and so it's unfortunate. You know, you don't ever yeah. want a guy to lose his job, but at the same time, when you're doing shady stuff like that, you get what's coming to you. You you also don't want to ruin the competitive integrity of baseball. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we stayed at the same hotel in Hoover as as Alabama last year. We ran into Brad. He seemed like a good guy. Dave always talks fondly of him. But uh, yeah, don't don't engage in that kind of behavior if you want to keep your job. I would say it it really had nothing to do with performance because I mean Alabama just beat Vanderbilt, so they're over five hundred in league play now. They're they're having a good year. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to bold predictions. Uh, Robert, do you have a bold prediction? Do I have a bold prediction? Yeah. Who? Um. I'm gonna say. We'll see a Harold Cole home run this 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 weekend. Second baseman Harold Cole uh, is gonna. I mean, I, I imagine he's gonna split time with Peyton Holt. How they do that, I'm not really sure. But I think I think uh, Mr. Hard Hitter Harold Cole is gonna gonna deliver for for Arkansas this weekend. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. Uh, I don't think that would be bold enough. I'm going to say Brady Slavens leads the team in batting average this weekend. Whoa, that's bold. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's get a quick update on his on his SEC average here. Brady Slavens in conference play, 15 for 72, that's good for 208. Mm. Not what you want. <laughs> What's John hey, Bolton hitting in in conference play? Uh, John Bolton in conference play one seventy. I that will is. I will offer you this though. The last time the Razorbacks were in Mississippi, Brady Slavens had himself a weekend. Let's see if I can find the stats here. At Ole Miss, Brady Slavens went five for twelve, had a grand slam, drove in six runs, and uh, yeah, it was really the grand slam that sort of made it. But five hits for him that was big. All right. Maybe Mississippi will be kind to him again. Maybe so. Maybe so. Okay. Let's uh ooh, Moses Moody just got a dunk. Watching the Warriors and the Lakers right now. Um, let's get to Jace Borfin. J Bo, as as the people who are close to him, like us, call him. We call him J Bo. You know, he's just J Bo. <laughs> Silly old J Bo. Uh, let's get to Jace Borfin here on the Diamond Hawks podcast. Here he is. You're listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. All right, we now welcome on Jace Borfin, Arkansas outfielder. You're hot, Jace. Not not that way, like baseball hot, man. You're you're having a great season. That's awesome, dude. How's it going? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot mentally. I'm very confident at the plate. 
uh, just really just building my routine and just sticking to it every day um, and just uh, trying not to get too too down on the bad games and just stay pretty even kill. So Mason introduced you as an outfielder. You are our first two-time guest of the season. The last time we talked to you, you were playing right field. Since then, you've moved to left and now you're in center. Uh, what what has this roller coaster and you know trip around the outfield been like for you? Yeah, it's been different for sure. Um, I never really thought I'd ever play center um, just because like Tavian was there. And then he goes down with an injury, unfortunately. Uh, and then I'm the guy that has to play center now for us. But it's been it's been different for sure. Um, the ball comes off the bat uh, differently from right field to left field and even center. Um, but I'm getting a lot more comfortable out there in center now that I'm playing it every day. So I feel like, uh, you know, everybody understands that Jay Sporfin is good at baseball now. But I, I feel like last year you had the injury. We heard that, you know, everything was kind of weird. You could never really get a groove. Is it weird? Like, do you, I'm sure there are people, and I led the show off like this, but, like, when people say you're having a good season, you're playing good baseball, are you like, I I was always good? Yeah, I think that was the biggest part for me, um, handling all the failure in adversity last year, is that, you know, there, there's still a good baseball player in there. Um, it was just an unfortunate year for me getting injured um, and just never really getting back to myself as a baseball player that I know I am. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's another thing is just, you know, building yourself up with confidence and telling yourself that you're a good player because, you know, you've, you've gotten here for – you and you got here for a reason, you know, and you got the ability, the talent. You just got to go prove it. So, here we are. It's Wednesday. We're recording this. Today's big news is that Dylan Carter is done for the year with a UCL tear. You know, it seems like this pitching staff just suffers blow after blow. Uh, and yet, here you are. I mean, you guys just swept Texas A&M, you know, Carter Carter only threw an inning. It, it was a quick day for him. Uh, the the bats just out outslugged the the A and M bats. You know, despite all all the injuries that you guys have on offense too. I mean, how like how how do you as 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 hitters like take on this burden of you know we we just got to score more runs now. Yeah, um, with Dylan being injured and being out for the season, that obviously sucks. He was a big part of our bullpen, um, so we're definitely gonna miss him. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, you know, we got to have some more guys step up, um, whether it be freshmen or veteran guys. And, you know, it seems like we've done a pretty good job at it this year. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, and as offensively goes, uh, I think it's kind of our responsibility to, you know, carry most of the weight just with all the injuries that, you know, have happened to our team on the pitching staff. So the easier we can make it on them with uh, just letting them pitch with the lead and not having to have such stressful innings, I think that is a – going to be a recipe for success down the road for us especially so uh for the for the the position player guys that you know are having to step in in place of guys like Tavian guys like Jared how hard is it from the perspective and you you went through this last year how hard is it when you're not the everyday guy and you're having to step in and maybe try to get all of you know, your potential, like, here's what I can do in just a few at-bats in, like, one game. How hard is that? That's uh, very hard. I would say it's probably the toughest thing in the game. I'm um, not playing every day and trying to come off the bench and and hit or go play the, uh, go play the field. Um, our guys have done an exceptional job this year of really just answering the bell whenever their name's called. Uh, we've got guys like Ben McLaughlin who uh, played a couple games here early, got hurt was out for about four weeks and then 
gets thrown in the, the lineup versus Tennessee and has an unbelievable weekend and has really just kept it on since then. And you guys got like Hunter Grimes who, you know, came in as an infielder. Guys some, we had some guys go down obviously with injuries and he gets stuck out. He gets thrown out there with being in the outfield and uh, makes a game saving play. I thought in the A&M series. So uh, it's, it's stuff like that, that it's, it's super hard to go out there and do. Um, and it's very impressive that, you know, these guys have clicked as fast as they have um, get thrown out in those situations like they, they have. Yeah. And on the other side of that too, I mean, you guys have had some, some pretty significant contribution from, from freshman arms, you know, Gage Wood comes to mind with, with the April that he had several, several multi-inning saves from him. And then the, the last two games from Parker Coyle seemed pretty encouraging. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what you think of, of those two guys in particular, like what, what makes them difficult to face and, you know, are, are there any other other young arms that you guys are particularly confident in? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that we run out there, we're really confident in. Um, we know we we know what they can do. You know, everyone had a really good fall, I thought, in my opinion, from pitching staff point. Uh, but yeah, with Gage, you know, what you're gonna get with him. He's got a really good fastball. It's gonna carry up in the zone. So if he throws it up in the zone, good luck hitting it. Uh, he's got a really good curveball that's just gonna drop off the table. Uh, then with Coyle, man, he's just like a crafty lefty that's going to get you out. Um, he can really hit his spots. Um, and I think he has a really good curveball. Um, it's tough for left-handed hitters to pick up. So as long as he just hits his spots and throws that curveball uh, and mixes, you know, he's going to do his job. Is there is there a guy on the pitching staff, you know, whether he – maybe it's somebody who's hurt or somebody who's healthy because you got to say that at this point. Is there a guy on the staff who is the hardest guy for you to face? They just have your number. Yeah, I'd say in the fall, um, I had a tough time hitting off uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, the lefty, uh, throw some weird angle out there, freshman. Uh, I think he can really help us too. Um, he's shown spurts when he's gotten his uh, shot that he can do it. So uh, with some injuries and guys not being able to throw anymore, I think that's going to give him an opportunity to come up and you know play a big part down the stretch, hopefully. We're we're gonna need you to uh to like slip a little note to DVH and tell him to throw Fitzy a little bit more. I feel like after every press conference, we're like, Coach, were you thinking about getting Fitzy up there? <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a good player. He's he's got a bright future for sure. We're we're obsessed with his delivery. Um, go go back to Coyle for a minute. Um, when when he when he talked to us the other day after he clinched that that sweep for you guys against Texas A and M, he was he was very loud in the press conference, and I, I was wondering if if this is like a normal thing. Like, is he loud all the time, or was, do you think he was just really amped up, you know, for his first uh, SEC appearance, the the way it went, and and getting called on to talk to the media for the first time? Yeah, um, I wouldn't really picture him as like a loud guy. He was probably just amped up a little bit. Um, he's a pretty quiet kid, um, good kid. Um, but he shows a lot of emotion when he's out there on the mound, which is awesome. Um, just the passion he has to the game, I think that's what makes him really good out there on the mound, just competing. Um, another guy, and we're just asking you about guys, Caleb Cowley. Uh, we, I know that you guys as players just knew that it was always there, and Brady Slavens was even like, you know, for all the people who hated him on Twitter, like how about now, you know? What is it about Caleb Cowley – that you like that you see and you're like, this is, this guy just has it. Is it something like that? Like he's just got the it factor or what is it? Yeah. I think you, you kind of like throw the first, whatever, however many at bats in the season out the window and you just look from the time he got his hits um, until now. 
I think that's the version of Cal you have to really look at, and that's what made him so good, which is I feel like he's never overmatched. He's always he's always on time with his load, I feel like. Um, and then his able to just find the barrel from whatever pitch. I mean, I think last weekend he had like seven or eight walks in the series, which is unbelievable um, considering that, you know, you go through spurts where you strike out a lot. And, you know, he's seen the ball exceptionally well right now um, and find the barrel. But I think it's really just, you know, I think his whole when he get, his whole setup when he gets in the box, he doesn't ever like look overmatched. He's always quiet with his load and he always puts a good swing on the ball. So shifting shifting topics entirely here uh, to, to a different sport. Uh, let, let's talk about Thursday. Uh, we, we talked to you after the game and you, you seemed very interested in the results of the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, what, what was going on there? You you I mean, you have a, you have a, a, a tie to Will Levis of some sort. No, I was just interested because I've been on Twitter um, for most of that week because I like watching like the NFL draft and see where guys go. Uh, and I just kept seeing like so many reports, man, like this guy was, you know, second overall favorite. You now he's not getting past the fifth overall pick. And then there was even some like uh, t- tweets I saw that said he could even go number one. And so I was like, wow, OK. And then when I asked you guys, like, hey, what pick did he go? You guys were saying uh, he didn't get picked. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Like I've seen all the all the tweets and all the speculations or whatever we're all telling him that he was going to go top five and then he somehow slips out of the first round which is just unbelievable to me and I think he was actually at the the NFL draft which is like super embarrassing you don't get your name called so I just feel for that kid but uh I mean that's definitely going to make him only want to prove everyone wrong and show that he was you know worth the money is there a team that you root for like or an NFL team that you're a fan of uh not really. Um, I play like fantasy football, so like I've like began to follow the NFL a little more closely. Um, but I mean, I like the Packers, but I don't really like follow them closely. I say it just like you know they're just a team that I like to watch. Um, but I don't really have like a diehard team I like like to watch. Fantasy football is absolutely the way to go. By the way, um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Uh, you know, if you if you weren't a baseball player right now, would you be playing football or some other sport? Yeah, um, I don't really know. Probably like probably football. Uh, I would try to at least. I mean, I either play quarterback or wide receiver. Trying to play on the offensive side. I mean, basketball. I mean, I can shoot a little bit, but I'm just not tall enough, so I don't think that would go over well. Well, speaking of draft, your name is starting to climb up some draft boards. People are starting to, you know, take notice of Jace Borfin around the country. Is that is it kind of like, have you had a moment where you're like, finally, people are, are starting to notice? Or is it just like, keep the head down and grind? It's definitely keep the head down and grind. Um, it's obviously like really cool to have your name in the talks of, you know, wherever these people are saying, but ultimately it really doesn't even matter because um when that day comes you'll you'll see where you end up lining up so right now I feel like I still have a lot to prove um as a player so it's really just taking you know game by game pitch by pitch and just going out there and just keep proving it with with as many solid outfielders as there are in the SEC I mean you look around there's there's a dude at South Carolina who's hit 20 home runs. There's there's a guy in Florida who's hit what, 26, 27, and then you know you got to play against Dylan Cruz in Baton Rouge. Does that does it make it sort of easier to to stay out of the spotlight a little bit? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, those players are obviously like really, really good. Um, and you know they've kind of got a name to them throughout their college career. So when I see them uh, playing good, it kind of like obviously like motivates me to only want to play better, just because you know I think I'm right up there with them, you know, in my mind. So, uh, but yeah, I mean them sharing like the spotlight away from me, I really don't care. At the end of the day, I just got to go out and just play my game. Speaking of the Baton Rouge series, Paul Skeens, what was it like facing a guy like that? Yeah, so I'd seen like upper 90s a couple times, but I'd never seen 100 miles an hour. And it was it was different for sure. Uh, it felt like the ball was literally being released when he picked up his leg. <laughs> so uh, that guy's unbelievable. He's a big leaguer for sure. He could probably go start for a bunch of clubs right now on the bigs. Uh, his stuff was – I mean, the thing that was so impressive about him was obviously like, he throws 100 miles an hour. But, I mean, dude, he's his command is right there with the best of them. I mean, he was right around the zone. You know, he really didn't have any big wild misses that you would seem to – a guy like that throwing 100 miles an hour would. Uh, and he was able to, like, even, like, land his breaking stuff. So, I mean, you know, you want to cheat to the heater, but in the back of the mind, you know, you know, this guy's got a slider that's going to drop off the table – um, even like a change of me really throws it, but still just something to get you off the fastball. Um, he's a tough guy to face. Tell you what, I grew up in DC and I cannot wait for the nationals to pick him second overall this summer. Um, That's not- so, so last night you guys played your last midweek game of the year, uh, lost eight, six in, in little rock to, to Lipscomb. I'm curious your, your thoughts on little rock, like playing a home game away from home. And then, you know, is it, is it nice to, to not have any more midweek games this season? Yeah, um, you know, midweeks are great, um, especially playing uh, – especially playing, you know, in Little Rock in front of all that fan base out there. Um, I, I personally love playing in Little Rock just because you get to play in front of fans that normally probably don't get to see you in Fayetteville. Uh, and it's, it makes them – makes the game easier for them to get to. Uh, and you see a different types of fans that, you know, you don't see in Fayetteville all the time. So, I really like playing there. Um as far as midweeks go, I think when you get towards the end of the season, um, it can get really hard to just get focused for them. So, uh, you now last night, I just feel like as a team, we didn't play the best baseball that we could have. Um, but that sometimes happens, and you just got to flush it and just go on, go into Mississippi State knowing that we're going to be all right. Uh, just a few more here for you, Jace. I got to ask you about my guy, Zach Gregory. I I kind of I mean he was the money ball guy last year. Of course, now he's at GCU. Uh, you guys were there, you know, playing that left field spot. What was the relationship like with Zach? Oh, it was good. I mean, I was trying to be there as much as I could for Greg last year. Um, you know, even after the postseason, you know, I was trying to like help him as much as I could as a teammate. Uh, and he was a really good dude to me. I mean, that's the thing, like you don't really make it about like, Oh, I'm better than you or he's better than me. You know, it's, that's never the battle. You know, it's whoever's in there, you cheer for them and you try to help them be the best they can be for the team because winning is the only thing that matters. And I'm, and I'm really excited and super happy for him that he's doing a really good job doing a really good job at a GCU. Yeah. How much do you follow your, your former teammates, be it Zach Gregory transferring out or, you know, any, any of the other Arkansas guys, or, you know, maybe even Oklahoma who you played with your freshman year. Yeah, I try to keep up as much as I can. Um, I probably don't do, like, the best job of it. Um, but if I see something, like, on Twitter or whatever it be, um, 
sometimes on Instagram scrolling through uh, and see some some highlights from whatever game. Uh, I'll slide up on someone's story and tell them, hey, like, nice bomb, stuff like that, and all that good stuff. Um, okay, so we kind of tried to script it out for Will McIntyre to win the Golden Spikes. In that, I mean, let's let's be real here. It's not going to happen. Uh, we missed out on you. I'm sorry that we didn't script for you to win the Golden Spikes Award. It could have happened. But moving forward, is there a guy on this team, uh, of course, who would be eligible next year that you're like, you know, maybe he could do it. Maybe he could win the Golden Spikes. Uh. I don't know. I mean, I really feel like uh, I feel like Peyton Stovall is due for something like that. Um, I mean, he's got it all. I think that he could have a phenomenal year next year um, and just hit like 400, to be honest, because he's got that type of ability. Sorry about the mute. Uh, yeah, with him, like the he's he he's been dealing with this this shoulder injury, I guess, for like six to eight weeks now. I mean. How how does he fight through this and and come to the yard and, and play every you know conference game? Yeah, no, he's a tough kid. Um, I mean, he's been body's been dealing with this ever since uh, like one of the earliest midweeks game we played. I think it was like right after EIU or something. Uh, and you know, injuries suck, and he's been trying to play through it, and he's done a really good job I felt like for what he's what he's produced and what he's put out there for us um and he just wants us to win you know and he's doing everything he can to be in the lineup uh and so like taking off the midweek games so we can get ready for the weekend which is the most important um I thought I think he's handled really well this year uh this is gonna be my last question do you have any good nicknames that people call you because we we threw out the Borophilorian which is a great nickname I hope you enjoyed my awful Photoshop of your face on the Bora film, or on the Mandalorian. Uh, Jace Bora of him, that one's one as well. Is are there yeah. any others out there? That's a uh, Stovall is my roommate. He always jokes around and says Jace Bora of him. So uh, he says that a lot, and it's always his jokes. Um, but I think the most the the most common nickname everyone calls him is just Jabo. All right. All right, here's here's my last one. You gotta get you guys got Mississippi State this weekend, as you mentioned. Uh, a lot of people talk about Duty Noble Field as being you know the best college ballpark in America. You know, regardless of how you view that versus bomb, that that's another story. But uh, it's it's been a been a tough season for y'all on the road this year. So like you know what what's what's the key to 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 bouncing back in what could be a pretty hostile environment? You know, I know I know Mississippi State fans always seem to turn out. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us coming into the series like this is, you know, we can't take an opponent lightly. Um, you know, Mississippi State's still fighting to get into the SC tournament. You know, they're right there at the bottom of the leaderboard, I think. So, you know, you kind of just kind of scratch the record of whatever it is, and you know, you're going to get their best, their best, uh, their best game this weekend. So, I think we got to take them like we take everyone else, um, take them serious, um, and just play our brand of baseball like we know we can. Um, just filling up the zone. Um, staying within our approach um, and try not to not, try not to do too much, and I think we'll take care of business. All right, Jaybo, appreciate your time, man. Wishing you the best of luck the rest of the season, and uh, enjoy the weekend uh, in Starkville. All right, thank you guys so much. All right, man. You're listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Huge thanks to Jace Borifin for taking some time to talk to us. Um, really enjoy chatting with Jace. 
and uh, we're really going to enjoy our weekend in Starkville. Not because it's Starkville as a city, because we're going to watch baseball at the Dude. Arkansas-Mississippi State three-game series starting Friday at 6 p.m. Central Time. That one will be on the SEC Network Plus. It's on the Plus. you got to stream it. Uh, Saturday's game, though, 6 p.m. ESPN2 National TV at the Dude. It's going to be great. It's going to be electric. And then Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. on the Plus again, SEC Network Plus. For those who don't understand, you don't have to buy ESPN Plus to watch SEC Network Plus. Just get on the ESPN app or type in ESPN in your web browser, go to watch. That's all you have to do. So Friday, and you're good. Yeah. Friday, Friday and Sunday, SEC Network Plus, Friday 6, Saturday 6, Sunday 1, and then that Saturday game, ESPN 2. How about how about both teams going with a rotation of Smith, TBA, TBA this weekend? Yeah. Yep. We didn't even Cade, talk about that. Cade and Hagen going at it Friday, and then we'll see you after that. We will. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. We will talk to you on Monday. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at DRStew32.